0: Attention, attention, please! The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air! Oh. Campo Gibba History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Campo Gibbwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Campo Gibbwa for boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. Today's guest on the podcast, David Auerbach. I got to visit David in his home in Dallas, Texas, sit down at his kitchen table, and have a little conversation, meet his cats, see the house. This is one of those on-the-road podcasts from my trip around the country, talking with guys all over the place. The next few podcasts are going to be on the road, so enjoy that. Before we get to the interview, a couple of things, a check-in here from Campo Jibla. Lovely, beautiful, sunny Camp Ojibwa is 84 degrees today. It's a very warm one. So if you are lucky enough to be sending your son to Camp Ojibwa tomorrow, make sure you let him know it's a warm one and that we can't wait to see him. We're all pretty excited about the campers arriving tomorrow. Of course, it's Father's Day today. A big shout out to all you dads out there doing a great job especially the dads of all of our campers, both present and past, and future for that matter. We love you. Have a great, happy Father's Day. Yesterday we had a wedding here on the grounds of Camp Ojibwe. Uh, Don't worry, it wasn't mine. Ladies, I'm still very much available. It was a lot of fun, though. It was a family who lives on Catfish Lake, and they live down around the corner, and they wanted to have an opportunity to share in the greatest place on earth for one of the best days of their lives. It was pretty cool. We all had a great time. Okay, enough about that. Enough housekeeping. Here we go. David Auerbach on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. Don't want to be an actor Pretending stage Don't want to be a writer with my thoughts out on the page Don't want to be a painter Cause everyone comes to look First and foremost, for the record please state your name and yours at camp
1: uh, My name is David Auerbach and welcome to Texas Chris. Thank you uh, sir um, I went to camp from 1997 to 1998 and still have gone back I would say almost every year since 98, with the exception of just a couple of years here and there. um, Very active camp builder.
0: Nice. How did you first hear about camp?
1: So uh, I have a very interesting story compared to a lot of people. Uh, I'm in Dallas, I I grew up in Dallas. I'm sitting in Dallas today with you here. And um, my mother went to a camp near um, Ojibwa in the 1960s called Maccabee, hmm. which is located um, before Antigo. Uh It's right before when you get to Anago, so it's only about 30 miles. Uh, it's uh, in Pelican Lake, which you happen to pass on the way to camp, driving to camp. Um, it's right before, I believe it's right before Anago, or just after Anago, on the way to Three Lakes. And uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but what was interesting is that uh, Maccabee used to play Ojibwa in athletics in the 60s. It was a Jewish boys and girls camp. Everybody came from you know Chicago and Iowa and the, and the cities in that area. and uh, The boys would go and they'd play Ojibwa similar just like they play Menominee and all the other camps today. And just like today, my mom tells me, they kicked their asses every single day. <laughs> um, it's a, there's another great story that we'll lead into later on, but uh Maccabee actually has a very important part in my life, um, because my mother uh had a very good friend there, uh, his name was Avi Sloan, who happens to be Matt Sloan's father. Mm. Um, and Matt Sloan and I met each other first in uh, 1987, we were in the same cabin, cabin four, and uh, Avi came up to camp for fathers, when we used to do Father's Weekend, he came up as one of the you know, fathers uh, after visiting the weekend. And he starts talking to me, and we start, he's like, where are you from? And I told him, from Dallas, Texas. He goes, How's was a kid from Dallas, Texas. Find out about your <laughs> And uh, I told him that my mom went to camp in Mac and be in the 60s, and like, he turned white. He's like, really? What was your mom's name? And I go, uh, at the time, it was Leslie Rabner. And, and I mean, like, he literally dropped and had a tar attack. <laughs> your mother was like my best friend at camp. Wow. I was there. Give me her number. Give me your home number. And so I was, you know, 10 years old in 87. What did I know? Sure. (laughs) I I gave Avi my parents, you know, house number and everything. And on Monday morning, he was at home and he calls my mom and she was, I guess, asleep. And he's like, do you know who this is? And without even missing a beat, she goes, it's Avi Sloan. And he goes, absolutely, you're right. And so he tells her the story of what happened, meeting me that weekend. And subsequently, here we are. Almost thirty years later, my mother and Avi have now been together for about fifteen years, and I mean I don't see them ever getting married. But Matt, Matt and I are basically stepbrothers by common wow. marriage now. So That's amazing. It's amazing how a <laughs> um you know, came to the picture. So um, in nineteen eighty six, I was going to a Jewish camp in North Carolina, Nashville, North Carolina, called Blue Star. Um, I was in Hendersonville, and uh, it was a very not a good fit for me. I had started going to a camp at a very young age. My mother felt it was a very important thing. So like when I was uh, six years old, I went to the Poconos for four weeks. Wow. At the Pocono Highlands camp and was <laughs> out of my element there, as you can imagine, as a six-year-old kid. Sure. Looking back on it today, many years later, knowing what parenting is like today, there's no way a parent would send a kid halfway <laughs> across the country to go to a camp. Uh, Then I went to Blue Star for uh, three years, 84, 85, and 86, and uh, I never really liked it there. Um, It wasn't really my type of thing. I wasn't a fan of doing the beer cot after every meal and things like that. I I guess you could say different strokes for different folks. It wasn't for me. And so when my mother knew I was upset in the summer of 86, she came up to Ojibwa that summer, and uh, it's funny because I've heard the story told hundreds of times. I've told the story hundreds of times and I got to witness it in person when I was up at camp for many years thereafter that like, the process never changed. My mother drove into camp once, I think it was on a Friday and she met Denny, fell in love with Denny immediately. <laughs> Denny gave her the full camp tour. Sure. She, uh, he, they had lunch. This was back when they used to do the weighted meals at lunch and everything and she tells me they had perch. It was great. And... What's funny is I started in 87. There was no perch. So when, back then, <laughs> we used to be able to, before, I, I don't know if I got the chance to in 87 if it was the year after, but the campers had input in, you know, what do you like? What don't you like? Mm, sure. Meals. Yeah. And I'm guessing a bunch of kids didn't like perch. I could see like the head staff tables enjoying <laughs> right. it. Right. But like, you know, the uh, campers, you know, nah, not so really, much. Not so much. <laughs> so um, she had perch. She loved it. She was there for, I guess, a few hours and. I mean, before she left, she'd signed the Donna one he'd already paid, and that was that.
0: That's awesome.
1: So I went up in summer of '87 uh, as one of three kids from Dallas slash Texas. It was myself, Jared Kaplan, and Stephen Gross, Stephen Tex Gross. Um, S- Jared lasted another couple of years. Stephen lasted, I think, another five years or four years, and then that was it. And so I was like the last surviving Dallas person. Um, What was tough for me, though, is that, you know, back then, obviously, there was no Facebook, email, and all that stuff. So camp ended for me on, you know, that that August, you know, August 7th, whatever it was. And you'd come back and but the way the calendar works. Here, you start school that Monday. So, I mean, it was like, it was either that Monday or you had the following Monday, but most of the time it was the Monday right after. Yeah. So, I mean, I came home, I had three days just to unwind, decompress, and get right back into school. Wow. Um, so, But what I, what I was getting at was that I didn't have camp friends down here. I mean, my, my first summer was, was, I hated it. It was like the worst thing ever. I ran to Denny's office. I was crying. I was complaining. I was, um, we'll get to it eventually, but my nickname came from my first summer at camp. And, uh, okay. Uh, it, it, was, it was very tough, and my mother, you know, basically wanted me to stick with it. And the reason why I stayed in that summer and throughout the rest of the time was all because of Darren Annixter, who mm. I've heard frequently mentioned. He's one of my closest friends. I, I love him like a brother. And, you know, Darren knew I was very unhappy my first summer and like, took me under his wing. You know, I was in cabin four. He was in cabin 13. And, you know, it was weird that he, you know, crossed the campus. That right. It's, come cheer up the that's a big deal. Dallas. And uh, I've never forgotten him, you know, forgotten about that. And, you know, I still thank him to this day because if it wasn't for Darren, I don't know if I would have been, you know, still doing to Jibbo to this day. So, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was my camp career. Uh, it was like I said, so I was a camper 4, 6, 8, 10, 11, 13, 14. 18, 19, 19. From 87 to 93, and this happened from 94 to 98.
0: So your mom comes up. She checks out Ojibwe because she remembers it as the boys' camp that they used to play, and and the camp she went to is gone. So, well, let's check that one out. Meets Denny Falls in Love, boom, off you go. How do you get to camp that first year? So
1: the first year, I flew to Chicago. um, Actually, they flew up with me. My parents flew up with me. They dropped me off at um, Eden's, the Toys R Us, Mm. and I took the bus up. But I remember the day before, we had lunch at... um, was the name? Uh, there was a deli in Chicago, one of the suburbs. I don't think it's still around anymore. I don't even remember this. Thing. But we met, uh, there was a camper that was going there. His name was Neil Gobi. And I remember meeting Neil Gobi there that day. We, we didn't know each other, but you know he knew I was going to Ojibwa. And so he was the first Ojibwa person I ever remember meeting. And then I rode up the bus. I remember sitting next to Corey and Ryan Fox. Um, they were in cabin three, if I recall nicest guys in the world. Uh, and, you know, I remember we just talked and we drove up, everybody had candy and food, like it was crazy. You'd stop off at that little rest stop. I don't remember where it was. You had your 30 minute lunch, they got you back on the bus and then boom, you were in camp by uh, I think back then it was by like one or two. And I remember that, you know, and I think it's still the same thing today. Get off the bus. They had all your, you know, they grab all your stuff. They point you to the cabins. You start unpacking. You, they teach you how to fold all your stuff and had to be a certain way. And you know, straight to a swim test, and then go to the infirmary to get you know drop off your forms and get checked out. Then go back and uh, finish unpacking and all that stuff. And, and you know this nobody, I mean unless I missed it nobody was out there playing basketball or you know playing like, right. sports in the campus, it was, it was the first day. They were just like getting. All Stuff together, yeah. So, and then we had a weighted meal. I think it was usually spaghetti, every always time. spaghetti
0: so the first it's, night, absolutely it's beautiful.
1: <laughs> it's, it's amazing consistency. Um, and I think it was straight into leagues right from there, like that first night, like, you know. Nice, yeah. And I remember it was like, you know, it was a good late night activity for the first night. I don't I'm trying to remember if it was something huge, but. I remember those first, the like, you know, first hare and hounds and blizzard bingos. Oh, and sure. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it was great. It, I mean, that part was fun. Like, you know, what kid doesn't want a blizzard? Like, <laughs> right. I'm sure. Right. You know, it um, so that was the first day. And then I remember it was this is back when they used to do instruction. We'd wake up, dip or shower. Uh, I was a 50 50 guy. Uh, I did used to. I do miss the days of wash up though, because of bad weather. That was always a pleasant <laughs> to get that announcement. Go outside, Denny leading calisthenics, in, you know, in front of either the cabins or down by the waterfront every single day, doing Mike Tyson arm arm circles. I mean, I, I see it in my sleep. Like it's still it just it hasn't changed. Go do dipper shower go to the cabin. You'd start cabin cleanup. You know, some kids would go back and get in bed and the counselors would get very pissed off that they were in bed. Sure. And I remember my first year my counselors, it was uh, Mark Fishbine, Danny Fishbine, uh, and Steve Levy. And then, um, I don't remember Mark's last name. Mark was an English guy. Mm. Um, and it was Mark and Danny uh, Fishbine that gave me my nickname because I was so unhappy that first summer. I mean, I just... Complained, bitched, moaned, groaned. And I remember sitting. It was on on the campus, on the diamond, uh, on the third base line. And I think it was Danny. He sits with me down. He goes, "You know what? You really bitch a lot. I swear. You, you, all you do is you bitch. You know what? I'm gonna start calling you you bitch." And from that second, still to this day, so many people. What's going on, you bitch? What's going on, you bitch? And especially Seth one like every time I see someone, you bitch. Like it, it, it just it hasn't died. And so, um, I, I remember, you know, so you had cabin cleanup, you go to breakfast, wait at breakfast. Um, they would, you know, do announcements or, you know, if there was something important. Cabin cleanup, go back for cabin cleanup. Everybody had to get the nine or 10 to get the treats, I remember, you know, mm-hmm. every single day. Um, O.J. fold on the bed, you know, we had to do the O.J. fold with your blanket, because I remember, you always had to take out two blankets. You had your main blanket and you had your spare blanket. The spare blanket had to be folded a certain way. <laughs> and if it wasn't folded a certain way, there's your check marker. you lost a point. Mm-hmm. And Paul James, of course, going around creating all the cabins. So while that was happening, it was instruction. I remember every single day was instruction and I still have uh, in uh, one of my boxes, they used to give you the stars. You know, you'd go and do, okay, we're gonna do water skiing today. Mm.
0: Like a certificate for having done It wasn't done a certificate, it was, it was
1: a piece of paper it was of like a frame piece of paper, and you would uh, go to, do all this different stuff. Okay, we're all, today we're offering these 10 activities. Uh, tennis, swimming, fishing, uh, canoeing, basketball, you know, whatever it was. Sure. Uh, and it would be assigned by cabin, right? and you would go around to, I think it was like three different things a day, and they, they broke it up. And then you'd be tested on, okay, today we're gonna do tennis. All right, you're gonna hit 10 forehands, 10 backhands, and 10 volleys. And if you got a certain percentage, okay, you get a, it was a gold star, silver star, and a bronze oh, star. Oh, wow. Okay. Or it was like a red, a blue, and a gold or something. And so, you you know, by the end of the summer, it was your goal to hopefully try and fill uh, this whole sheet up with stars on it. Right. Um, so you go and do that for a couple hours. That was the morning. That's activity. really interesting. There was no leaks. That was the morning activity period. Um, you had a little bit of free time, which they still do. Then you went and had waited lunch. Then it was rest period, and it was always, you know, the full rest period, and there was no kids outside. It was, they didn't, from what I recall, I don't think even like the days those kids of thirteen were were allowed out. I mean, I could be mistaken, but I think it was it was rest period. Right, that was your job. And point.
0: did you have the rest period OD that was like would like Absolutely. sit on the bench and sit on the
1: bench? In your cabins. <laughs> you exactly. <laughs> How many times if I had a dog or a temper get back in the car? <laughs> Same thing with the late night OD um, or the super OD. <laughs> and, uh, so you write the letters home you go out and have line up for the afternoon activities you have your letters, if you don't have your letters you can't do activities, you gotta go right to the cabin and write the letter go have leagues um, afternoon free time, I think it was always rec swim and you know, fuss around um, dinner, waited dinner leagues after dinner, excuse me the same thing, you had a little free time after dinner, then they did line up for leagues then they would do lineup for late night, you know, again, all the same stuff. And then it was, you know, taps, you know, tattoo and taps at, uh, you know, 845, 15 And that was obviously the best time because, you know, that was when you really get to bomb the cabin, major counselors, right, sure. stories. Um, that was really a lot of food runs. And, you know, it's, it's looking back on that, like, you know, I, I joke with Stu and Cappy and all these people like, you know, how bad would it be now for me just to, you know, quit being a trader and you know, be a counselor for a summer? <laughs> Gosh, your assignments, you got to go do a Farfield 3 peach soccer game. Awesome. You know? It's any work stress that you get have any day. So, That's true. Um, the, you had the Sunday sleep in with the late brunch, and the, I remember it was always two to three back to back to back leagues. Right. Um, they loaded it up.
0: Sunday double headers. Yeah. Right. Or triple headers. triple headers. Yeah. Um, nice. I don't.
1: I, I don't remember the town hall meeting when I was a camper. I mean, I remember they did honor cabin. I don't know if they did. I'm sure they did that on Sunday. I mean, I'm just trying to remember back when I was ten years old. But it was. You know, I remember going. To, we won honor cabin once. I remember going to town. You know, with my cabin, and it was. I, we saw, you know, obviously a lot of movies and uh, doing the Xander's Pizza. the sure. uh, Country Store, uh, which we still do all those places today. That's nice to have it.
0: Part of the magic.
1: So, um, it, it's, you know, and one of the things I love about these you know, these podcasts that we're doing is that it didn't matter if you were there in the 40s, 50s, 70s, 80s, 90s, today, with the exception of a couple of different activities here and there, the schedule is pretty much the same. Yeah. The you know the sports are the same. The late night activities are mostly the same. Um, I mean, I remember Saturday night. Every Saturday was the movie night, and you know canteen lined up either you know in the mess hall, in the rec, in the rec hall, or uh, in front of the in front of the mess hall outside. And they used to actually have the projector. You know, I was going
0: to say, when you're there, are you st- is it still reel to reel? In the
1: 87, they definitely had the reel to reel. That was a good couple of years that they did that. I think it wasn't until like 90, 89 they finally decided, hey, maybe we should get with the Times and get a PCR.
0: Because yeah. so, um, movies were still expensive. I mean, if you were going to buy them, so then you'd have to rent them and you had to have someone in town who had rentals. And,
1: I mean,
0: I, it was. As I opposed was, to having the guy fly in the fact, film. <laughs> so
1: we used to watch, I remember it was always like the Disney movie.
0: So um, it was a like real you know, G rated. Watch the
1: Apple, you know the Foggy Apple Boys, or whatever it was. Or uh, it was mostly all the She movies. I remember like I remember watching Jaws. They did do Jaws once. Oh I, so wow! I think, I think they did give you a variety of options. Okay, but it wasn't like you know Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare right. on Elm Street. Like you know, obviously it was. If there's anybody that knows movies, it was Elliot. And sure. I remember when I was like, 13. Once a week, Elliot always did movie night, and he always, you know, thought of something that you know, as teenagers, I'm never gonna watch this. This is please, but I remember watching it vividly. I remember watching the Taking of Pelham, one, 2, 3 the original, and it was fantastic. I remember watching the Third Man. Oh wow! And like, nice. You know, here I look back on it now, and it's like, holy shit! Like Elliot turned me on some good stuff when I was really young. Yeah, for sure. And not only that. The entire cabin got into it. Like, you know, I remember, you know, in 13 where they have that little, you know, it's still there, the, uh, I guess you call it the living room, you know, like that Right, bar. that
0: sort of central area. They, he
1: set up the TV against the cubes. you would all sit around. And I mean, like, you had the whole cabin sitting there watching it. And it was like silence. Everybody was just sucked into it. It was great. And, you know, and, and like on those nights, <clears throat> Elliot was like, you know, everybody loved the story. Sure, He was a great counselor. And you know I don't have to talk to Elliot in a long time again. He's in Chicago, I mean, Dallas, we don't see each other very sure. often. But you know, he you know, he would do a food run. he would take care of the guys. All right, we're gonna do this. We're gonna watch a movie. How's that sound? Great. Let's do it. And you know it'd be a great time. Mm-hmm. And then you go bust balls. You know, five minutes later, <laughs> and uh, you know they, they would somebody would give him a hard time. And thinking about Elliot, I mean, just for some of the random thing today, and you know, you've heard about the Elliot three, like you know when Elliot was on the basketball court when he was he used to do refs. Elliot used a lot... Elliot, I don't know about... loved. <laughs>
0: Elliot pretty much
1: always had the trail court. I think it was Elliot's court. Okay. And he, you know, had his whistle and everything. But Elliot was his thing. And obviously, you can't see it on the video, but i just He'd be standing on the line. Like, he had the great line. you would see it. Guy wash. And he would do the run
0: back. Every single time. Every <laughs> single time.
1: And, and I remember being in cabin four as a kid, I remember growing up, and I remember being in the, you know, water all league and everything, I doing my games, and that happened. And I think, I wasn't the most proficient athlete. Which sure. I, I, I know that's getting a lot of blasts as I just said that. <laughs> I will be the first open person on this podcast to admit, I was the first year hat pick in 1987, thank you very much. Very nice. I it with pride. Uh, Michigan State, Anthony Tedeschi was my coach. Um, I think it only happened like once, maybe from here twice that I got to see Elliot do the run in my honor. So yeah. it was great. But I
0: vividly really remember that. Well, so- yeah, that's a you make a good point though because Elliot always, whatever sport he's officiating, if he is officiating, takes it very seriously. Oh, yeah. Does it exactly right? Absolutely. And even though it gets a little ball busting guys really learn from it too at the same time like guys who later are going to officiate themselves really do learn from it so they might bust his balls about the way he does it no question. but you're totally learning at the same time no question. he's brilliant at that he, like, was, a,
1: he was a great softball run right? he was always behind home plate he, you know stride he did the arm <laughs> he always do the arm up I mean he, he had his he had his mannerisms but I mean I was thinking I was thinking how many times did Elliot go stride when he was doing games 25,000 times you right. know I mean like he's probably right to softball. I remember one of my favorite places. If I had to ride softball, was to be on diamond two because with the backstop on the, on the diamond two, you could get a good lean. Oh sure. It was, a, it was very comfortable. It had that little sway. and I'm, I'm a rocker. Like I like to rock, and had that nice little sway. But there was also enough space between you and uh, the catcher, the plate. You could see everything. You know very yep. well. Versus you know the campus. Before they, they, you know, they didn't always have those screens. Right,
0: right those there. are fair, fairly new. Fairly it was new. just open. They, I
1: think, I want to say like my, my last year 98, maybe 99 was when they went up. It's, I mean, it's been around for a while now, mm-hmm. but those did not exist back then. So it was just you, and behind you was the rec hall. <laughs> and most annoying things obviously big shocker. my positions at that point when I played softball was uh, starting out was catcher and short center oh, you know the, very the nice. uh, that stand on second base sure I you know, <laughs> was a great spare softball player I do have a couple of softball accomplishments that I'll be happy to mention um, so you would it would be suck as a catcher, though, because the ball land. You'd miss it because there's that weird bounce over there. Mm-hmm. And it rolls all the way back to the rec hall. Absolutely. And so you'd always, you know, if you really think about how long the games took, add an extra five minutes for all the running from the catcher to go get the ball yep. back to the rec hall.
0: Definitely. Definitely. There's just something
1: right with that spot where the plate is, like, I, I don't know if they can just dig it up and start over, but it's like it just always, there's just like this aura of like, you know, yep, poof, it just goes.
0: one of those magic Ojibwe things. It's it's. it's there's
1: something about that stuff.
0: <laughs> so, you had a few athletic accomplishments, I did though. have a
1: few athletic accomplishments. Not many to mention. Okay, I had. I remember I scored. Uh, we, we have a copy of The Madison Man. Brett Victor, I know he gave me a copy. Like, I had 20 something points. I scored out in, like, one of the basketball leagues. I made the cover. I made the headline of The Madison Man, and it was The Doctor Is in. And uh, Darren used to call me Doctor, and that's another nickname that has stuck for. Many years, by the way, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you can call me it all you want. Sure.
0: He is willing to play one, though, Absolutely. however. Yes.
1: Um. So I, I had to, you know, I think everybody let me go to the basket. It was very easy. Here, let him score. and have a good time. But that was when I was very young. I did hit a home run, uh, like in my peach league. And, again, I wasn't a sports guy. So, I mean, I, for me to actually make really good contact and, you know, get it out there on diamond two, I hit a home run. My biggest accomplishment, though, was I did pitch a no-hit. I pitched a no-hitter in watermelon softball Darren was my coach um, we still talk about it to this day and uh, he says it was a perfect game, I don't recall it being a perfect game but it was on the campus, either way
0: very it, impressive it was,
1: it was quite an quite a achievement for me, I you know, I still look back on it and it's kind of hard to believe that it happened um, I definitely won my share of plaques, I've, I've got a lot of plaques in the mess hall which I will you
0: know I have pictures of every single one of <laughs> them age. I go always take a look at it. So I'm like, how the
1: hell did I get so lucky to be on the play? In fact, uh, my first summer in 1987, I was on uh, – I won Peach Soccer. And back then, obviously, there was no four-week league. So right. It was the entire summer. And if I recall, not every team made the playoffs. Like You actually had to have a good record to make the playoffs. Well, my soccer team, if you go look at that plaque, which is still up there, there was probably – I don't want to exaggerate. 20 plus people on that team, maybe 25 people on the team. There's a lot of names on that play.
0: It's like the whole league. But
1: <laughs> we had, for back then, today you would call him, uh, we had Lionel Messi on our team. Nice. We had Cristiano Ronaldo. His name was Javier Okay. A name I have not forgotten in this many years. <laughs> Javier Succhiwondo was a stud at soccer. <laughs> I mean, he would have the three goals in five, within t- two minutes of the game. Wow. I mean, the games were just obliteration. <laughs> Tom Mack was our coach. <laughs> the team was the Aces. We destroyed that league. I want to say that was a huge a huge contributor. I want to say I had an active part in that. I don't think I did shit. I no. don't think I touched the ball. I think that was like a free laugh. for <platform. laughs> Javier Sukilanda, if you happen to be listening to this, thank you very much for that plaque in eighteen eighty-seven. <laughs> I will never ever forget you to the day I die. Nice. Um, I never won Collegiate Week. I came in second. My biggest, or, I mean, I remember I had a lot of Collegiate Week moments. Uh, I know that Stu and I just revisited um, again, knowing that I'm not the athlete. Stu was a one-one. The year that he was one-one, I beat him in three points, three pointers. Um, during our heads up uh, team nice. competition, and Stu told me he's like I, you know I went and cried. Like I remember I was not happy. He's he he went and cried, and I'm like you know I didn't know because I mean it was like a big deal for me just to you know do well and you know whatever I could. And I mean looking back on it, I realize he took it so hard. But now knowing what I know, you're the one one everybody looks on, up to you. You lost to him, like you know, and you know Stu and I are very close to this day sure. and I know. I don't make fun of him about it. Like People will mention, didn't you beat him? Like, you know, they'll remind him about that. You yeah. can joke about it this day and age. Um, what I miss about collegiate week, though, one of the things I wish they'd bring back was hot shots. They used to do hot shots instead of uh, instead of the older guys doing the three-pointers now. Mm-hmm. It used to be the little kids doing the free throws and the small hoops. And they would do uh, hot shots, which was, uh, they had two balls at center court. Then they put little plates around points on. And oh. So it was like it was your job of trying to try and accumulate points. You know, you get five for a three pointer, uh, three for like jump shots at the you know the two spots on the by the free throw line, or you know it's like three for a free throw, two for the little shots, one for layups. And you know it was like the coach like, ah, go two, two, four. You know, like trying to point you to trying to accumulate points, and that was usually a lot of fun. Watch, yeah. Both watching and participating, because I mean. If you're a good shooter today, obviously, yeah, sure, I'll just take my spot I'll hit three pointers. Right. But, like, this forced you to run around and, you know, and, and they couldn't rebound for you. So, I mean, you were doing really rebounding. Oh, nice. It was, it was a work. There's
0: strategy involved. I and like that. That's interesting. And,
1: yeah. I mean, my favorite Collegiate Week moment, I wasn't a part of it, but one of the best moments of Collegiate Week, and they don't do it as much anymore. it's been a while, I think, since they've really done it, was the game went late. It was dark. They brought the cars up from the parking lot. You had, you know, cars lighting the campus so that you could actually see the shootout. All the kids laying on top of each other behind the goal. And, nice. And, like, there's pictures around. You still see them today. And, like, I was told that they stopped doing the cars thing a long time ago, I guess, based on the time when they started, the safety and everything. Yeah. But it was, like, um, like a magical moment, like, you know, when you'd see, again, four cars that it was so dark out there, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do this right. And, you know, you have the entire camp out there right. watching this. And it's like, <laughs> for somebody who's not invested in it as far as, you know, having something involved, if you're not uh, one of the two teams, right. It's, it's great as a spectator. Yeah, for sure. But
0: if you're the coach,
1: if you're the shooter, if you're the goalie, I mean, like, that. You know, holy cow! And I was—I—I I did play goalie for some of that stuff. I remember doing goal for a couple of those things. So I was—I was pretty tall for my age. They would—they'd say you'd be a great blocker, you know. Shoulder gloves, spread out, <laughs> put you in this weird position. And right. you know, I did okay. Never where I had the lights on me like that, but I mean, I remember some of those shootouts like it was yesterday, and it was just so cool to see that story. Yeah,
0: that, a field hockey shootout during the week is something that's so hard to explain to anyone else, because it's, I mean, instantly, if you can watch it happen, as soon as it gets to zero, kids immediately line up, drop to the well, ground. The kids are
1: sitting by the yellow bench <laughs> or over by the chairs, and they're stalking it. Like, they were like, just like, waiting five, for the moment. Four, Three, and they just don't yeah. Do they still lay on each other and
0: everything? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Stack up all around and all behind. But do they
1: lay on top of the guys on the back?
0: Yeah, yeah, play? yeah.
1: Because I remember, they, get off each other. Like, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you, you know when people get crushed. Right,
0: right? absolutely. But it's
1: like, come on, how are you going to not lay there and watch
0: It's this? It's incredible. It,
1: it, it was awesome. And, like, it's it's just something that happens just, you know, if you're lucky, it happens once or twice the week. If you're lucky. Right, absolutely. There years that you didn't get the shootout? You didn't get that type of excitement because you would have you know, such stud athletes that were out there um, based on how they drafted. You, know, you had your, you know, the stud of prep, the stud of JV, the stud of SV That by the time it actually happened, I mean, it was, you know, the the game was already decided. So I mean, it was, right? You really savored those moments when they happened. I remember one year for Collegiate Week, it literally came down to a tie, and they did three team events to for off to uh, finish the week. Like after Not for dinner, first
0: place, right? Wasn't it for second I and think third? It was for second, it was like yeah, because I don't think we've, we've actually ever had one for first. It was, which it was
1: after dinner. I think I remember it was like a tug. I think there was a slap shot, and I think there was a field hockey game. And it was like that was the evening's activity. Was the entire campus going to watch these two teams duke it out? Yeah, and it was again just the tension. And just watching
0: all of that. The pressure. I mean, so cool. That's absolutely. And, I, and it goes to show as well for anyone who has ever thought that Elliot has ever influenced the week points wise in any way, I assure you he has not because he would have made a tie happen. I've begged him. I now. was like, it's one point. Can't you just go find a t shirt laying around somewhere? Or no, no, no. Above board. So if we ever get one, it's going to um, be yeah. incredible. It'd be a,
1: a, just, it'd, it'd be unbelievable. I, I wish I could see that. And the best part about college, you know, again another great thing about picture is you learn all these fight songs and you learn all these cheers and these alma maters and these were things that I was singing when I was growing up. So like to be in Dallas and start singing the Indiana fight song or uh, the alma mater, you know, any of those, <laughs> and somebody looking like, how do you know that? Like where did that come from? Oh, camp. And, you know, don't worry about it. Yeah. And you learn all these, you know, so. Um, Remember learning like the Penn State fight song, the Nebraska fight song, just some of these schools. Again, living in Dallas, that you would never ever get exposed. Right, of course, to. yeah. Um, and I always remember, I remember asking Elliot and Paul, like, "Can we get Texas?" And like they'd give me a look, like "Yeah, right." And then Elliot, <laughs> Elliot there is one year said, "If you get us the music, and, and that used to be the rule. But right. if you could provide the music, the, the alma mater and all that stuff, if you could provide the music, it would go into consideration." Mm-hmm. Um, whether it actually got selected or not, because back then, I don't think they gave the campers the right to vote on teams. It. Right. it was, you're the coach, if you have it, and you're up that year to the coach, there you go. And you want to make the stick sign with it and everything. <laughs> right. And I'm, you do the work, basically, you and you can work, have if, the team. If you do the work, we'll give you the team. And, you know, that was obviously well before my time of coaching. I So what my... When I got older, my real job at camp was I was the camp shopper. Hmm. Um, I took over from Scott Dahmerhausen, who I'm sure is a name that you've heard of. Certainly. So I took over the range of the camp shopper from Scott. uh, I think it was two, it was like my second year or third year as a staff man. And they basically offered it to me. Maybe I wasn't a good coach, maybe they just needed somebody to do it. It was great. Being a camp shopper, and if any of you guys that are going up the ranks with the staff now, if that position's available, I highly suggest you consider it. <laughs> it can be a lot of fun. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it can be a lot of work, mm-hmm. but it's kind sure. of. That's, and that's a whole story itself. So, what does the camp shopper do? Because I don't think you've talked to any
0: of the camp shoppers. <laughs> well, now, now what I didn't know was that in the old days the camp manager was effectively what we would now call the camp shopper, okay. and so, but it was a bit—it was a different job in the fifties to. Go into town and, and often you would go in with Al or with Mickey and things like that and, and deal with people. It wouldn't necessarily be on your own as it is now. I also spent a few years being the camp shopper, and I can attest to it, it is fantastic. But today's camp shopper different than what that is. So what does the camp shopper do? I'd like to hear
1: about your shop actually, because you'd have to swap stories. So uh it was the same thing every single day. Um after breakfast, while the kids were doing cabin cleanup. I'd go and shower because I'm going to town. I'm representing camp, so I always want to make sure I. I mean, I'm being dead serious. I always want to make sure I was clean, and I was dressed for the relatively appropriate. I mm-hmm. mean, for me, because it was campy, you know, shorts, t-shirt, flip-flops. But I didn't want to like a complete schluck because I was representing camp. Right. So I'd go and shower and get dress and I'd go up to the office. You'd always go up to the office, and you'd check in with Sandy. Sandy, and it was always good morning, and we always knew. We always knew what. Um, you know, what's going on. So there would be a list from Sandy of, uh, okay, we need to go get this. We need to, you know, you're going to go to trades. You're going to go to here. You're going go to Here's, here's the bank envelope. Here's the bank folder. Yep. Um, so we'd have that visit. Then you go talk to Dahmer. Dahmer, just the kitchen need anything. <laughs> yeah. We need to get, and he, most of the time, he'd either, he will either already gone and gotten a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. He will have placed the order that'd be waiting for me or, you just these miscellaneous things. I knew Triggs. I know Triggs. Well, let me rephrase that. I knew Triggs before they did this big, huge redevelopment of that grocery store, which was about five years ago, six yeah. years ago now. Back when it looked like the way it was, you could have asked me where anything was in that store, and I could have taken you there within twenty <laughs> seconds because you would hit up the pharmacy,
0: you would hit up the groceries, you would hit up mm-hmm. the drive-thrus. Drive I, mean, I destroyed that store.
1: Enough to the point that every single cashier knew who I was. Yep, absolutely. The manager knew who I was. They a lot of the times would have this stuff waiting for me, like, "Oh, you want the
0: newspapers? Here's your newspapers. You at least the news you need. Nice. Take whatever oh, you want. Help yourself." You know, we you know <laughs> you, s- just you, sign on the dollar. You make line. a lot of friends yeah. Oh, it's great. for sure. You really kind of become a townie oh, if you're the shopper. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Um, and then you got to go talk to Mark. <laughs> and you know at any time and we always say burn every single morning burn! what do you need and you know we, and I sit there and talk to Mark alright I need you to go to Ace you need to go talk to Nick Nick's gonna have this for you boom 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 we need six white balls we need five red balls we need six rolls of tape we need some spray paint we need to do you know, always have to do a piece of paper and write all this shit down because if you screw up it's a lot right if you screw up Martin's order you're gonna hear about it and he's gonna tell Daddy, and then Daddy's gonna come say why'd you screw up Martin's order it's not like you have that of a job to <laughs> get the shit." <laughs> You go to the post office. Mm. All, right, mm-hmm. so, so wait, all right. So we've gotten the list uh, from Martin, from Scott, from Sandy. We've gotten the bank folder, And now we take the car.
0: And we, it's a camp car, right? So, some sort of camp vehicle. So
1: this. I drove up myself. The last few years, I drove up to camp because from camp, I would go off and see fish. After camp, I'd go yep. to tour concerts. And nice. It was nice to have my car from Dallas. And by the way, it's a very easy drive to get to Cam from Dallas, surprisingly, because it's 35, which I think you lost today. Right. You take 35 all the way up to Minneapolis.
0: Oh. One road. And then a right turn, and you're done. Cut over on eight. <laughs> you hook over on eight.
1: Boom. Done. You're in Rhinelander. You take 45. You're in Cam.
0: That's awesome. It's, it's
1: very quick. I mean, quick, per
0: se. Right. Two days. You're crossing the country, Two but it's, it's it's a smooth road. drive, you for sure. You can't screw it up. Right.
1: Um, And that was a fun drive. I did that drive a couple of times. I did it with um, a a kid named Brett Levine and Scott Peters, uh, who lives in Indianapolis, I believe. Great guy. He was up there for a couple of summers. He played tennis. Yeah, Scott
0: Peters was there, right? His last summer was like my first or second summer. Mm -hmm.
1: Brett got fired. Yeah, that didn't work out so well for him. (laughs) Um, And then another summer I drove up with Aaron Levine, who was a friend of mine from Austin, and we had somebody else in the car and I don't remember who it was on top of my head. Drawing a blank. Um, so we drove up to camp and that was a fun drive. You get up there pre-camp and everything. Uh, so I have my car. So if I did have my car, I used the camp minivan or the camp Suburban back then. I think they still have Suburban or they replaced it. By right. that at place. least
0: one of them is still around yes. from your time, for sure. So
1: um, you go into town. So the first stop was, if there wasn't perishable items, you know, if it was just dry, easy stuff, Go to Triggs, get the papers for Sandy, Denny, the doctors, Benji Schwab, who always wanted newspapers. papers. Uh, that's funny. Myself.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I got I got my New York Times that way, and everyone's like, that's you know, awesome. Sandy, you
1: know, Sandy was pretty cool about it. You wanted yeah. Sure, add it on, you know, because you're always signing on the bottom line. Yeah. It was the book.
0: It was sort of part and, of your little fee for being the shopper. And, and
1: it was great because, like, I'd meet the guys over there, like, they didn't, I pull, I would pull out the book on the other side of the register and just sign, and they were cool with it. Yeah. So you go to the store and get that stuff. Then you go to the bank. And it was always deposits, 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 deposits. You had to get petty cash because kids had to you know kids were getting their money and all sure. that stuff. And obviously the first the first week and the first or the fifth week when they did the switchover from visiting and everything were the busiest times, obviously, because that's when all the money was coming in as far as checks. So that would be some days it would be five, ten minutes, some days it could be about a half hour. And again, the telltors knew me, you know, I get, I'm just sending a line, I get the, you know, come on <laughs> up, I the VIP treatment, it was awesome. Then you go to the pharmacy, you go see Fred at the Wall Street Pharmacy. Oh, sure. I don't know if Classic. Fred stole a lot.
0: I don't think he is, no. It's it's women that are not young, but younger. But there's also yeah. a
1: Walgreens or a CVS mm-hmm. or something. There's Walgreens. There. We
0: sometimes will send something there and sometimes drinks. but 90% of the pharmacy stuff goes to Wall That's Street. That's great that you guys still
1: support Wall Street. Yeah. That's awesome. Fred was the nicest guy. I'm pretty sure his picture, that paint, that drawing is still up on the wall there. I've got it, you know, where it's oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, cartoon, mm-hmm. the cartoon, picture. Fred was the nicest guy. He always took care of me. He was always the friendliest guy. Always had the stuff. I mean, he you know, he'd see me pull it right out. Here you go. Done. There you go. Um, then you'd go to, I think I went to Ace there as well. I went, so I think his name was Nick. He was the nicest guy. Here you go. Boom, 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 boom. Had all the stuff. Done. Um, at that point, okay, now... Now we hit. Now we hit the interesting part of it, because you've got the dry cleaners. If you have to go do dry cleaners.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: You've got hospital. If you've got to go to yep. hospital. stuff. You have to
0: drop off like a strep culture or something. Exactly. Absolutely sure.
1: And, that, and and the nurses didn't say like this needs to be your first stop, but like there was always like you know they kind of implied don't diddle daddle. Right. Go take. Care
0: of this. Yeah, you're right. This is definitely the prime part of being the shopper. Are the are the one offs the random like.
1: You're going to go to the, you're going to Radio Shack today.
0: Oh, classic, sure. You're going to
1: go pick up this thing from, you're going to go to the internet place today. Back when they used to sell the computers and the internet and all that stuff, you're going to go on your way to Phelps. (laughs) It was over by the, it was, you know, past the snowmobile Mm -hmm. track, you're going to go out to this little tiny two-hole office building, you're going to go meet Joe. Joe's going to have a disc for you, sign on the dotted line. Okay, boom.
0: Thank you. That's funny. What about archery? Do you ever go out and get arrows at the arrow place? It's like halfway to St. Germain.
1: I did go to the (laughs) archery place. It's funny that you mentioned that. I think I did that once or twice. Yes. I also remember returning the vans, having to go return the vans. Oh. I think that was in Antigo or that was like an hour away. Okay. You had to have. That's interesting. That That was a schlep to go deal with that. It wasn't bad because you were U.A., Right. You were UA that day. That's your afternoon assignment trying to go out there. But like you said, you had the one offs the Radio Shacks, the art store, the, uh-huh. you know, who knows where you're going. I would try to maybe swim by McDonald's, maybe get a little, <laughs> little mosh. Sure. Um, I didn't, I wasn't the type of guy that would, you know, I didn't want to fuck around because, like, I wanted to be at camp. Like, I mean, you're right up there for a reason. Plus, again, I'm in a camp vehicle people know who I am and what I'm up to because they see the camp vehicle and oh by the way Denny and Sandy know that you're out with a camp vehicle and not <laughs> like they're sitting at the clock going uh where's David but like you try to get into this routine of you're going to leave by nine thirty, and you want to get back by the time you know eleven thirty. 30 right 11 11 30 you should have all your stuff done so if there was days that you know we're zooming through it there's nothing going on okay well we'll get stuff done and Oh, but I forgot the best part about the whole being camp shopper was what this thing was called Pony Express. Oh, so nice. not only you have to go to the post office in town and <laughs> go deal with the packages and getting the huge green sacks of mail and drop off to the post drop off to the camp post office over at the rec hall. Mm-hmm. And those things wait a ton. Especially when you had the packages and like it was the post office was always one of the longest portions of the day because there was always things to be sent out, sure. things to pick up. Speaking of things to be sent out, one of Denny seen's favorite stories that they tell about me to this day. There was a box sitting on the chair, and it was the letters going home to parents. It was a box of like letters going home to parents. and all it was was envelopes. There was no letters that had been stuffed in there. <laughs> but this was the spot that if they were putting stuff for me to go take to town, like for mail, this is where it was. Sure. So I walk in, 9.15, 9.30. I see it sitting there. Okay, I'm going. I didn't even ask. I just took it out. They start getting these phone calls the next day or two days later. Did you forget something? Like, I got this envelope in the mail. <laughs> stamped. That's awesome. I think I sent out a couple of hundred. <laughs> <envelopes laughs> Danny, across the campus. On the loudspeaker. David Auerbach! Get to the office immediately! It's during the afternoon activities or whatever. And obviously, if Danny's calling her name over the loudspeaker in that voice, right. great. What did I do? I'm screwed. <laughs> I walk in. And he's, and he's like, what? You know, and he starts again. Why am I getting these phone calls about these envelopes? I go, what are you talking about? You sent out that box of envelopes and there was nothing in them. Danny, they were on the chair. It's where it was supposed to go. I was. That's what I do. you take the stuff. Who told you to send the envelopes? I go, Denny, was in the spot. I can't believe it. He was like, I'm going to take this out of your check. I'm so mad at you. He never took it out of my check. <laughs> of course. Still to this day, and, and to, to testament to Denny, his memory is so sharp. He'll remember one something that happened 15, 20, 25 years ago that happened in one minute. He remembers, like, yes, you're crystal clear. Absolutely. So I sent off this big, that was probably my lone screw-up as the camp shopper. Nice. But with the mail, then you go to Maramita. And you get to spend time hanging out with Maramita during their activities, which was really cool. And Sandy uh, and Terry Cohen are very sweet people. Still to this day, I mm-hmm. talk to Sandy every now and then. Um, it was great, obviously, as a counselor, because if you were dating a girl, sure, a girl, dating's not
0: the right word. <laughs> Interested in if you were if you had a friend that was <laughs> at
1: the opposite <laughs> camp during that summer. Friend, we good time to good. hang out. Yeah, for sure hang out for practice. I never ate there. You know, it's like you didn't have time to sit there and have a meal or anything like that. Right. But to hang out in the counselor's lodge. But they used to do baking. Like they would have a cooking class, which is in the counselor's lodge. Oh, nice. And you've been in the lodge before. I don't know. Yeah. They have a great counselor's lodge.
0: They do have so a great. You know, yeah.
1: They have that kitchen there where they sit there. And so it's like, yeah, the cooking class is done. We made muffins. Dave, here, here's two muffins for you. Okay, sure, thanks. <laughs> we made cookies. Okay, great. And every single day, it was like there's always something else, you know, going on. Here. Yeah. So it was a nice diversion. And obviously with it being right down the street, you know, you knew, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, eh, yeah, I probably should go, get back to camp. Yeah. So then you get back to camp, you make the rounds, give Martin his stuff, give Donner his stuff, give Sandy and Denny all of their stuff, give pass out the newspapers, make sure to put the papers, the newspapers on Dr. Sachs's bed or whoever's bed, just, you know, there was that routine. Drop the car off, go back, and then it was into afternoon mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Well, um, since we're touching on it, let's talk about a little bit of the uh, the outside of camp experience of camp. The <laughs> Where are the places you're going? So you, you mentioned that it's in-laws. Now, did it become in-laws while you're there? When you I was were in- a
1: camper, it was Harry's. Right. Everybody wanted to go to Harry's. So that's where everybody used to go. And I, I don't think there was a Geo's or anything back then, but obviously the Weasels is where everybody
0: went to Weasels. Well, sure. Which, rest in peace. Rest in
1: peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we got older, we, you know, of course, had IDs and all stuff and we, that's when the in-laws started. It was like our um, the last I think my year in 13 and uh, 92 I think is when we became in-laws. I remember those guys going, Darren, the, the whole crew going, everything. 93 was our year in 14 and then boom, 94 were JC's. Oh yeah, we're going to go out, we're going to tear it up. Oh, that was great. Um, I remember Swamp was the door man. Uh, <laughs> Swamp was about your... He had about the same grizzly beard as you did. He, Swamp was kind of intimidating. Swamp was the nicest guy in the world. I, I actually, I will say, I had a great idea, just for the record. It was, you know, sure did the trick. Of course, you know, yeah, how old are you?
0: Oh, I'm 24.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, and Swamp, Swamp. is always Swamp's favorite trick was a Malibu and Coke. The dude loved his Malibu and Coke, so I always said to John, I mean, for the first week or two, John, Anytime you see that man without a Malibu and Coke, you take care of him for me. And he never had to pay for a drink anyway, obviously, because right. he was a bouncer. But, like, he knew I was trying to take care of him. So, yeah. you know, if I saw him, yeah, there you go. Like, the nicest guy. Basically, after that first week, I never had to worry about it again. I was always taken care of. Him. But obviously, we were very responsible. We would definitely hang out at the bar. I got, I told my wife last night that I was going to tell this story. she goes, and she was, like, shocked that I did this. And, like, she didn't know me. And so, we were young, obviously. I had been around alcohol and I'd had some fun before, but you know nothing like being in a bar really at that age. Sure. S- swear to God, this is true. I remember drinking like twenty one shots and ten beers. <laughs> I remember sitting.
0: I remember laying. And then he died. Yeah, I did get alcohol
1: <laughs> I remember laying with my back against the wall, my feet are down. I'm getting sick in an ashtray, and I'm pouring out the trash can. Like I'm sick as a dog. I'm I said to my wife last night, "I go, thank God I didn't drive that night. Thank God I wasn't behind the wheel." Right. Of course. The best part about that story was the next day was the camp picture.
0: Oh.
1: And this is, and I don't know if this will do. But this is when they would put.
0: Every you did the scene, whole big camp, the whole camp picture. big
1: Camp picture, and I'm standing up there at the top of the staff, and you can look at it, and like I'm like, <laughs> I look, I'm about to die. <laughs> I, I'm like I, I can't even stand up. I am just. Sick as a dog. That was, like, our first real... You know, my first big boom. And, like, I didn't go near as hard the rest of the summer. Sure. All it took was that one time. To <laughs> the other thing that happened that summer was Benji had driven up, and one night, just by chance, I happened to be the DD. So I had the X's on my hands. Right on. But I still had the ID, so as long as you have the ID, you still get it. The bar got rated. Oh. And... I was outside with Benji talking to Swamp. I, this is just by chance we happened to be outside. And the officer came up, and um, he started asking questions, you know, and I'm like, sir, I'm designated I haven't had anything to drink this evening. He started questioning Benji, and because Benji was outside, he wasn't inside the bar, they couldn't do anything really with him. Mm. But they took his license. Oh. And they said, we're going to take your license. You can pick it up in Managua tomorrow. So this is on a Saturday night. So on Sunday morning, sleeping in, you know, that's sleeping day. Right. Benji and I wake up at like eight o'clock. Oh. I drive Benji's car because he doesn't have his license. So I drive Benji's car to Managua, go to the courthouse to find out you can pick it up tonight at five
0: o'clock. Oh. <laughs>
1: I don't remember what story we concocted or what we were able to do to get out of camp at 4 o'clock to go back to Monaco on right. Sunday. It was raining. I remember it was pouring rain. At 5 o'clock to get his license to go back to camp. And we look back on it, and, and nobody got in trouble or anything. Nothing happened. Yeah. But we you know, kind of skirted by one. Um, we used to do when we were fourteen. They did bowling league every Thursday night. I think they still oh. do bowling league. Do they not? No, that's cool. Well, it was great every Thursday when we when they did cabin cookout. Mm-hmm. We went to town and we had bowling. And you league. bowled every time. That's cool. For an hour, and huh. we have an hour to go eat and go fuss around. Take the bus and go, or we take the car and go back. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so it was mostly going to Annie's, in laws, going to you know grab some food. Weasels was always a couple of times the summer. It was fun, obviously, when when your friends would come up around you know a couple sure. of times a of year, or you know, Disney weekend was a great time to go to. Disney weekend was always a good time because you would have fathers,
0: <laughs> right, and mothers <laughs>
1: hanging out there, and obviously they loved it because you know they were filling the seats. I mean, it was the
0: right. The that place packed. going crazy. And I still
1: have pictures and. I remember when I was a kid, the the coolest thing that you could have as a kid. I don't remember what, why it was such a big deal. Was they always used to do a poster once? Once the summer they would do a poster. Here's the twenty girls that are you know have been here this summer. Oh
0: or, wow! You a know, real post- an official. Licensed it, Weasels poster. It, was like
1: a, it wasn't like a poster. It was like right. a like a table mat, like, like a one sheet. It, <laughs> it, it was like you know that size, like a placemat. <laughs> but it was like it was like orange. It'd be like the Weasels orange. It you know had the Weasels right and here with all the girls. I remember taking it home one summer, <laughs> and my mother was like, "Why do you have this? What's <laughs> going on?" And I'm like, "This is this is a famous club that's up there." Now the other place we used to go to was in Phelps. Uh, Frontier the other club.
0: Uh, Frontier, you say. But hmm. Carrie like Wilde's Frontier Tavern, is that what you're describing? Ah,
1: the one and only. <laughs> and that, that place is, uh, if Weasels is on the left, Frontier would be on the other opposite end of the spectrum on the right. It's definitely a night and day establishment. That would be the uh, Tuesday afternoon special, which you would see on a Friday night. Yeah. It was not the workers.
0: Um, I cannot recommend enough to our listening audience that if you are not Facebook friends with Carrie Wilde's Frontier Tavern, that you should immediately go to your Facebook and friend Carrie Wilde's Frontier Tavern. That's just a little pro tip from me to you. <laughs> it's amazing. The girls make a lot of appearances. And Carrie herself as well, so you can... Um, yeah. That place great. is... So we've talked about one thing we haven't really talked about is you talked about you who your staff were. Are there guys that as you got older that were also staff guys who really stuck out for you guys? You really connected with, maybe still are friends with.
1: I mean, that's the thing. I'm still close with a lot of my a lot of those people. Um, I mean, I remember so many. I mean, gosh, so many staff people. Obviously, uh, I mentioned the Fish finds, I mentioned Steve Levy. Uh, Gary Spiro was uh, my counselor at cabin six. I remember like yesterday. Darren was my counselor. Uh, Brett Bohm, Goody um, Paul James who was a great counselor he, I know you've heard the story obviously where you'd wake up to have the last night's treats and you throw it at your head and like, <laughs> wake up you assholes and he'd take the bat and slam it back on the metal bed um, he was always a great, great counselor Elliot, and because uh, I had him for a couple years as a counselor um, I, I mean I remember a lot of you know a lot of faces, and it's like you know, the, the, the one thing about a dribble that hasn't changed is that there's just that, that, that continuity. You know, when you go back up there, and you'd say, Hey, is this person back up here? You know, because now they they tell you what counselors are going to be up there. If you're a returning guy, if you're a returning camper and you're coming up to camp, you know who's going up there, right? But if you're you know, young, going up there for a year or two, and again, it's in the 80s, you don't know who's going back. It was those people, and it was you know, and I know you're around that time, and yeah. the the. What it boils down to, and why it's so special to me, is it was those people that guided me down the path of life and helped me mold me into the person I became. Um, I mentioned to you earlier that I think of Denny as like a father and grandfather figure that you know, um, even though he's eight hundred miles north of me, you know, I still feel like he's sitting right here looking at me because one of the stories I want to tell you with him not here, as he knows. Jeff and I, Jeff Kaplan and I were counselors of 13. This is our last year's counselors. And we both were dating, hanging out with these two girls from Maramita for the summer. And on one note, Jeff goes out with this girl one night, and he uh, has some fun on the hood of my Jeep. So the next morning I go down to go do the Camp Shopper run and I look at my car and something's off. <laughs> I'm looking at my car, I'm looking at the hood. It's kind of dented. I see <laughs> visible <laughs> cheek implants because of the dew of the hour and everything. Sure, of course. I knew I, I <laughs> immediately what happened. Right. And I hadn't talked to him about this yet. So I go to town, I do my routine. I, I don't have time to clean her. Jeff fun last night? Hey, what are you talking about? I saw my car this morning. You want to tell me the story? He tells me the story. like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so that same summer, same girl. We go, we go to town, or we go to we go to in-laws. we come back to camp. Jeff was in Muscle Beach or Bones Garage now right. with his girl. And I'm on the pontoon boat with my girl. We're having fun, and Jeff, I remember, comes up on the boat with the other girl, and she and I are butt naked in a reverse type situation. Sure. Mm-hmm. Jeff gets a good laugh out of that. Obviously, we drop the girls back. We have, we've finished our business. We right. get dressed. We drop the girls back off the camp. You know, it's two o'clock in the morning. Two thirty. Eight o'clock in the morning, we walk in for breakfast, a buffet. I walk in. The entire mess hall stands up and gives me a standing ovation. <laughs> Jack to you wait know, for the word to spread like fire. And I, I shit you not, know, I walk in and it's a standing ovation. And at that point, I'm like, oh God, this is going to be bad. It's evening activities and there's lineup. And we're standing on the campus for lineup. And Denny comes out of the office, screaming. Now we back. Get up here. He meets me at the flagpole, and he's holding up the girl's earring. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I found on the pontoon boat last night with the story.
0: At lineup, in front of the whole
1: campus. <laughs> in front of the whole campus. I don't know, Denny. He goes. You do know what this is. We're going to the office right now. We're calling your mother. Now, the joke of this is, is that Denny and my mother had a great relationship. Right. And we go to the office and I'm freaking out. I'm like, this is gonna happen one of two ways. My mother is gonna be upset at me, or she's gonna say, Well done, nice job. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm already humiliated because you just called me out in front of in front of camp. Absolutely. So we go into the green room, and you didn't want to go into the green room because that was where bad things happen. To your mother! He the phone Dial oh, my mom. Uh, hi, mom. Well, hi, how are you? Um, not so good, Denny wants to talk to you. What'd you do now? Did you send more envelopes? What'd you do? I swear to God. <laughs> oh, no, all right, here. Denny. Leslie, I want to tell you what your son did today. Or last night. And he basically tells her the entire story of what happened on the pontoon boat. <laughs> and I found your earring, and I'm holding it in my hand. What do you have to say for your son? And she goes, nice job, David. And Denny turns to me with a shining grin on his face. And he's laughing his ass off because he thinks, forget the fact that it's funny. The fact that of all people, it's me that he's having to sit here and have this conversation with. And so he's like, say goodbye to your mother. You doing well? Yeah, well, great, great. All right, love you, see you soon. Bye. In so many words, don't ever let it happen again. Denny, yes, sir. And he gives me the earring back to give to the girl. <laughs> I was so humiliated the fact that he tells my mother what happened. It's incredible. It was incredible. And he that's one story that I'm thankful he hasn't reminded me of. You know, have you talked to that girl that you were hooking up with on the punch? <laughs> no, Jenny, I'm sorry, that you know kind of passed by the wayside. But it was just, you know, again, yeah, the guy knows everything. Whether it's a cheer in the mess hall, he finds some girls era, he he knows dot 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 equals our back sure done he knows and you know that, that was probably one of the more funny moments but I mean you know think thing about like and Spartan you know, I wore my OJBlo Spartan socks yesterday I wore them every single week um, uh, uh, we had the, the Olympics came later in my career because it was like right. always you know we, we had the Olympics like the last couple of years I was there as a staff mate. now it's every single year I mean just all those little things but it's, it's all those little events and all those people and all those stories that shape you to be the person that you are today. And I'm sitting here in Dallas, Texas, and a lot of my friends will tell you that I bleed Ojibwe just as much as anybody else that's up in the north woods in Chicago, that's in, out west in California, that we're so far away that that little plot of land on Ojibwe way, you know, has such special meaning. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think it can't. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of, again, a Darren Annex or a Denny Rosen, a David Rosen, a Miles Marks, a Seth Marks, you know, any random person that helped me become the person I am today. And Ojibwa is the greatest fraternity that's in the world. Forget your college fraternity, forget your business fraternity, forget any professional organization that you're in. Ojibwa is the fraternity. I don't know if that's just, you know, this, this is what I wanted the podcast to be about, talk to you about, because, like, I don't know if it's because of Denny, if it's because of all these people, if it's the Ojibwe way that, you know, is, is talked about. I'm, I question every single day what is so magical that has shaped and molded us to all be this particular way, and if there wasn't that place in our lives, I can only imagine what it would be like for all of us. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you cross under that gate, you know, cross under the sign, it's, it's, you know, literally time does stop. Where I can walk on the campgrounds, whether it's 2016, 2036, or 1980, 1996, it's still all the same.
0: Okay, there we go. Another one in the books, David Auerbach. Had a great time. Got into some pretty saucy subjects. Honestly, there was a lot on the cutting room floor that was not suitable for public airing, but maybe we'll find a way for someone to hear those eventually. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJibwaHistory.org, or just swing by the website, CampoJibwaHistory.org. Dot org, New things going up there all the time, tweaks and changes, see what's going, see what's going on May 6th, 2017, put it on your calendars, save the date, Camp was 90th summer celebration It's going to be a big shindig, I think we are super close to announcing the location So keep an ear out for that, hopefully maybe even next week I can tell you guys Where we're going to be throwing the big shindig, it's going to be a lot of fun Okay, that's it for this week. It's 84 degrees. I'm going to go walk the Campfire Site Trail and see if I can't find a shady place to have a cigar.